Hi, this is Dave Olson. I'm the senior leader of Heartland Church located in Ankeny, Iowa. I hope the following message challenges, encourages, and ultimately changes you. Thanks for joining us. This morning, we have the privilege of hosting two different ministries, uh, both of which have family in the area. And so we snagged them while they're in town. And uh, the first is Dwayne Martin. Dwayne and his family uh, serve in Caretaro, Mexico, as missionaries to Mexico. They're, they're reaching into the entire region there. Uh, it is a beautiful, yeah, it is a beautiful city. Well, you know where Caretaro is? It's beautiful. And, uh, and so... They are missionaries with the Assemblies of God. They're a very successful ministry, and uh, they have family in the area. So we said, hey, man, why don't you come in? And Dwayne, come on up here. If you want to bring your whole family, whatever you have planned, the kids are looking at me, no. So, Dwayne, God bless you. Amen. Well, buenos días. ¿Cómo están ustedes, mis hermanos y hermanas? Que Dios les bendiga. Mi amo misionero Dwayne Martín. Tengo una esposa, gloria a Dios, porque una es suficiente para todo. Nosotros tenemos tres hijos. Mi hija mayor se llama Abrela. Abrela tiene 15 años. Mi hija menor se llama Anneka. Anneka tiene 13 años y tenemos un bebé que en hecho en México, pero nació en los Estados Unidos. Pero es puro mexicano. Some of you in the back are getting real spiritual. He's speaking in tongues. Speak to me, Lord. Speak to me now. All right, well, here, you never know. I better do it in English. I said, good morning, my name is Missionary Dwayne Martin. I said, I have one wife, and one is enough for everybody. Her name is Julia. I said, we have three children, my oldest daughter, Abriella, who's 15 years old, my youngest daughter, Annika, who's 13 years old, and then I said, we had a baby who was made in Mexico. <laughs> Literally. Uh, his name is Asher. He's now five years old, and we are your missionaries to an area that's been labeled the heart of darkness. How many want to work in an area labeled the heart of darkness? Hey, we got volunteers. All right, come on, brother. Well, uh, the reason why it's called the heart of darkness isn't what you would think of. It's not because of the drugs, the cartels, and the violence, because everybody knows everything you hear on the news right now is the truth, right? But the reason why it's called that is because the central part of Mexico is the least evangelized area of all Latin America. Has less than 2% evangelical Christian. Now, I work, I live in the state of Querétaro, but I work in the state also of Querétaro, Michoacán, and Guanajuato. Yes, there'll be a spelling test after church, and no, you can't use Google. But when we first arrived there in 2014, we had a meeting with the district superintendent. He says, Brother Dwayne, what are you doing here? I said, I'm here to help you plant churches. Because in this area, if you take Iowa, Kansas, and Missouri and put them all together, it's about the same size as the area that we work in. But the area that we work in when we first arrived there only had 98 Assemblies of God churches. And I said, I'm here to help you plant churches. And the superintendent said, well, that's a good idea. He said, but we got a problem. I said, what's that? He said, we don't have any pastors. I said, that's a problem. Can't plant a church if I don't have a pastor to turn it over to. He said, well, then what else could you do for us? I said, what else could you do for us? I'm here. What do you need? And the Holy Spirit reminded me, he said, tell them what happened during itineration. Now, for those of you who may not understand, the term itineration is when we as missionaries get on the phone, get on emails, whatever, contact churches and pastors and ask if we can come share our vision for the area that God's called us to be in. We had a very strange itineration. When God spoke to me, he said, when you go to churches, he said, here's what I want you to do. He said, I don't want you to ask for a dime. I said, Lord, that's a very unusual missions message. How many missionaries ever showed up here and said, <laughs> we're good? Doesn't happen. Why? Because we're always needing funding in order to advance the kingdom of God. I said, well, Lord, what do you want me to do then? He said, when you go to churches, he said, I want you to preach Christ, him crucified, and let the Holy Spirit do the rest. I said, Lord, I could do that. If it worked for the apostle Paul, it could work for me. Paul said in 1 Corinthians, my preaching and my teaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but with power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit. Church, the Holy Spirit can do more in your life in three seconds than I can in a three-hour message. You say, are you really going to speak for three hours? Nope, not today. Maybe later. No. But in our first itineration, we traveled around. We saw more than 900 people right here in the United States of America surrender their hearts and lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. Church, that's what it's all about. The Bible says when one individual gives their heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ, all the angels in heaven celebrate. And then at the end of every service, we pray for the sick. And can I tell you something? Our God is still in the miracle healing working business. He has not changed in more than 2,000 years, church. And when I started sharing this with the superintendent, tears began to well up in his eyes. He said, missionary, he said, that's what we've been praying for in our district for the last eight years. 
He said, would you possibly consider being our district evangelist? I said, we will, but if we see an opportunity to plant a church, can we plant a church? He said, by all means. And so that whole first term, that's all we did, is we traveled all across the district preaching revivals and campaigns and crusades and seeing just the Holy Spirit move. We just finished up our second term in, uh, back in July and came home. In the last term, we saw more than 20,000 people surrender their hearts and lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. God is lighting up the least evangelized area of all Latin America. Just to give you an idea, we preached in a church in San Pancho. Anybody know where San Pancho is? Don't feel bad, neither did I. I was looking on the map, I'm going, San Pancho, San Pancho. Where in the world San Pancho? The pastor goes, oh, that's right, you're a white guy. He goes, the proper name is San Francisco de Rincón. I said, why do you call it San Pancho? He said, are you familiar with the story of Pancho Villa? I said, yes. He said, Pancho is short for Francisco. Francisco, or Francisco, yeah, you got it. Anyway. But we get there, and I told the pastor, I said, before we come, I said, I want you to go pass out flyers. He said, why? I said, I don't want to come preach to a bunch of church people. <laughs> I love you, but I want sinners. So he did that. We get there on a Friday night, and the building is just packed out. And sitting up on the front row was a guy with a surgical mask on. In today's services, completely normal. Back then, a little weird. And as I'm preaching the word of God, I'm looking over there, and I'm thinking, why is that guy wearing a mask? Is he here to rob us? Not important. God said, I got a plan. And I preached the word of God that night, and I said, now, if you need a healing touch from God, we saw more than 125 people in three days give their hearts and lives to Christ. I said, now, if you need a healing touch from God, come down here to the front, because we're going to pray. That guy got up out of his seat, ran to the front. I didn't have time to ask him what he needed, because as I extended my hands towards him, the anointing, the power of God hit him, and poof, there he went. Every night, he'd show up to the church an hour early. Why? Because he wanted to be on the front row. Every night, I'd give the altar call. He'd run to the front, touch him, poof, gone. Didn't have time to hear the story. A couple weeks later, I get a phone call from Pastor Gerardo. He said, Brother Wayne, he said, let me tell you what happened today. I said, what happened? He said, do you remember Javier? Pastor, how many people in Mexico is named Javier? <laughs> I got no clue. Who's Javier? He said, he was the guy that sat up on the front row, had the surgical mask on. I said, oh, yeah, I remember Javier. I said, what happened with Javier? He said, this morning he came to my house. He was knocking on my door. He said, Pastor, open the door. I got to talk to you. I got to talk to you. He led him inside. He's like, what's going on? He said, Pastor, this morning I went to my doctor. And the pastor's like, oh, man, are you okay? He said, Pastor, i got to tell you the whole story. Because in Latin America, you got to get the whole story. Okay, there is no short version. He said, before I came to the revival with that big white guy, he said, I was having headaches really, really bad. He said, then I started having nosebleeds. So I went to my doctor. They took an x-ray of my head. And the doctor looked at me and said, Javier, I don't know how to tell you this. He said, but you've got a tumor in your brain. It's about the size of an orange. He said, we've already tested it. It's cancerous. There's nothing we can do. You've got five months. He said, and I was walking home, and I was all distraught, and I was thinking, what am I going to do? Who's going to take care of my family? Who's going to take care of my wife, my kids, my mom, my dad? He said, depression started setting in. He said, but then I walked past this wall that said, if you need a healing touch from God, be at the Assembly of God Church, God's going to move. And I thought, you know what? The doctor said they can't help me. It's time to give God a try. He said, and I showed up at the church not knowing what to expect, and I heard that big white guy preach, and I've never heard preaching like that before in my life. He said, but I went back and I did all the reading again. He said, and everything he said was true. He said, and I don't know what happened to me. He said, but when he laid hands on me, he said, all the strength just left my body, and I laid there on the floor, and I couldn't move. He said, the last night of the crusade, he said, I felt like an intense fire was shooting through my body. I didn't know how to explain it. He said, well, what happened today? He said, I went back to the doctor, and I took my x-ray. And the doctor looked at him and he said, Javier, tu eres un mentiroso. You're a liar. He said, this isn't your x-ray. He didn't believe him. He went back to the x-ray place with Javier, had another x-ray taken of his head, pulls it out, looks at it and says, Javier, what have you been doing? He said, why? He said, we can't find a trace of your tumor whatsoever. Church, that's our God. He is still able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. There is nothing impossible for our God. Now, if that was the end of the story, that'd be great. But how many know God doesn't do miracles by accident? Anybody ever got a miracle by accident from God where he went, oh, wait, that's not yours. Give that back. No, God doesn't work that way. A couple weeks later, I get another phone call from Pastor Gerardo. He says, Brother Wayne, you've got to come back and help me. I said, what's happening? He said, man, Javier has gone around town. He told his friends, his family members, his coworkers, his neighbors, everybody he's come in contact with, what Jesus Christ has done for him. He said, in just the last three weeks, my congregation has gained 40 brand new members. What am I going to do? Preach! Every pastor wants that kind of problem. Why? Because that's God's calling. That's God's anointing. 
And I want to say thank you guys so much for praying for us because that's what we need. In an area that's been labeled the heart of darkness, the Bible says that those who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and his name is Jesus Christ. In the last two terms, I've already told you, we've now seen over almost 30,000 people surrender their hearts and lives to Christ. We've planted 14 brand new churches in the least evangelized area of all Latin America. God is on the move. And it's because of churches like you who know how to pray and churches like you who know how to give. We'd love to talk with you more. We've got a booth set up in the back. Come by, see us. Take a prayer card. Put it up on your refrigerator or in your vanity. I used to say put it in your Bible, but we get lost between Genesis and Revelations and we were never seen or heard from again. But if you put it up on the fridge, you'll see it four, five, six, seven, eight times a day. And you'll remember to pray for our missionaries. Pastor Dave, thank you so much. Thank you, Dwayne. Why don't you go ahead and stand. Come over here, Dwayne. I want to pray for you. Why don't you extend your right hand towards him. Father, we thank you for Dwayne, his family. Lord, we ask for a continuation of what you started their last term. Father, we ask for fresh anointing. And Lord, for an expansion of their reach. In Jesus' name. Lord, we ask that you would give him partners. Lord, those that would come alongside of him financially and spiritually. Lord, provide strong friendships in Latin America. And Father, I'm asking God that you would, that their reach would go beyond Mexico into Latin America. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, brother. If you, if you want to give to their ministry, their good soil, you can just text it, text the Martins ministry, uh, just, you know, follow the, follow the uh, instructions and you can give to that and we'll make sure all of that gets to them, get behind them and, and uh, that Lord can continue to use them in Latin America. All right, now our second ministry we are hosting this morning. This is, this is just really a pleasure to have both these guys here. Uh, the second one is Seth Dahl. I, I've, I've never met Seth until this morning. We've got mutual friends. And uh, Seth is a, is a hometown boy. He's from around here. Uh, many of you are familiar with his books. Uh, Seth was on staff out at Bethel for a decade as, over children's ministry out there. Has since launched and now is helping other churches do that. And I know that he's going to be in, in effect here. But... Uh, he, uh, he was going to be in the area for this weekend. I said, hey, let's have him speak. And so, Seth Dahl, come on up, and uh, let's give him a good Heartland welcome. Seth, bless you, man. Thank you so much. Good morning. Well, it's good to be here. We were just planning, my wife and I and three kids were planning to, um, oh, do we have that picture? Did I send you guys that? I don't know if I did. I sent a whole bunch of stuff to it. There we are. That's my wife, Lauren. She's over here. She didn't want me to point her out, but she's over here. And my three kids, Brooklyn, August, and Arrow. They are wonderful. Um, Brooklyn just hit 11 the other day. Arrow's about to hit five, and August is eight. And he's a gymnast, so this guy can do backflips like you would never believe. It's the craziest thing, so scary and awesome at the same time. But we were just coming up to visit my mom and family, and we haven't been here for a little bit. And so now we're here. It's good to be here. But, um, yeah, I grew up in Iowa, but I haven't lived here for 20 years. I moved to New York City right after September. Uh, at the one-year anniversary of September 11th. So right in 2002, I moved to New York City and was there for four years um, in a ministry called Metro Ministries. That we would reach 20,000. Yeah, you probably know them. There some, they were assemblies of God, too. Would reach 20,000 kids a week, every week. It was the craziest thing. And our pastor, he would say, you know, there's 2 million kids in New York City, so we only reach 1%. We have to get more. It was the most amazing, awesome time. We would, we'd literally pull up beside a school and four or 500 kids would just come outside and sit there and we would preach the gospel to them. It was awesome. And then I got super hungry for God's power because I was, um, many years ago, actually in 2001, I was a drug addict. I was addicted to coke and meth and acid and mushrooms and ecstasy 
and porn and cigarettes and alcohol and you name it, everything except crack. And uh, I was just full-on drug addict, put a gun in my mouth, was going to kill myself. And Jesus decided to walk into the room. And now I'm not dead. I'm here. And so I got, I got really hungry for God's power. I thought, you know what? If, if that's how the Lord met me, then he wants to do that with other people. He wants to, he wants, he, I want to see his power. And so I, you know, I love these kind of stories. I'm like, yes, this is, you know, one guy gets touched and then the whole city starts coming to the Lord. So I found this church in Redding, California called Bethel and I just packed up everything and I went and um, I, I got on staff there for 10 years and then my wife and I moved and kids and horses and dogs and everybody moved to Los Angeles for two years. We felt God calling us there and now we live in Austin, Texas. So my pastor, Joaquin Evans, is coming here soon. I don't know when, but he's coming. So he's our pastor at Bethel, Austin, and we love it. But we're here visiting, so we get to be with you. I'm going to show you a quick couple things, then uh, we will preach a message that, yeah, is on my heart. So I have um, a kid's book here that we wrote, I wrote. Um, it was really amazing. Bill Johnson's publisher, he wrote a book called God is Good. And the publisher came and said, Seth, would you write a kid's version? They said, can you take Bill's book and turn it into a 36-page kid's book? I said, you mean, can I take one of Bill's sentences and turn it into a 36? If you know Bill Johnson, you know, like, he'll say one sentence, and you're like, I need the rest of my life to unpack what you just said. And so I was like, oh, man, are you kidding? And I heard the Lord say, if you sign the contract, I'll give you the story. And so I signed the contract. I had this dream. I started writing the story. This is really good. It's, the story is basically when, it looks, when everything looks like it's going bad, God is still good. Like I have parents write to me all the time. They're like, I was reading this book to my kids, and I needed it. I needed to remember. When everything looks like it's not good, I, I shouldn't question whether God still is. Are you with me? You know, the gospel of the kingdom can be really put quite simply. The worse things look, the better they can become. Amen. So I, I would tell this story over and over to my children, so they helped tweak it and adjust it. But that's, God is really good. Does anybody have a new baby? I'm going to give this one away. You have a new baby? You. Yes. Will you come here real fast with the green? Yeah, I think it's green. Were you leading worship today? Too? Yes. Thank you. I'll sign that for you too if you want after for your kid. So that's a fun story. I love that. And then my wife and I wrote this book. It's called Win-Win Parenting. We have to change the title because we accidentally violated somebody else's copyright. We did not know they owned Win-Win Parenting. So we printed all these books and they gave us permission to sell them. So these are on sale for $3. We're trying to just get rid of the books before we change to the new name. So we have Win-Win Parenting that is out there at the book table. Then I just wrote this. This one's pretty new. It's called Raising Spirit-Led Kids, Guiding Kids to Walk Naturally in the Supernatural. This is, yeah, what I've given my life to. I spent 10 years traveling the world um, along underneath Bethel and teaching kids to operate in the supernatural and the power of God. And so now it's like, well, let's get it in the family. Um, I'll tell you more about that in just a second. Actually, no. I was, yeah, I was a children's pastor for 10 years, and I traveled the whole planet helping children's ministries and children's teams and pastors and, and churches and all this stuff. And one day the Lord was like, you know, you've missed the most important children's pastor of all, parents. He said, the, the first church is the home, and the first pastors are the parents. And then he said, if what happens in church doesn't happen in everyday life, it's not Christianity. It's religion. If what happens in the kids' ministry, wherever it's at in the building, somewhere, if what happens in the kids' ministry doesn't happen in our everyday lives, it's not what Jesus intended. It's something we do. 
not someone we are. So I was like, okay, I got to help parents. So that's what that book is. It's, it's basically everything we've taught children for 10 years. I've seen the most crazy miracles, like those kind of stories. Like, man, I've watched so many kids do the most ridiculous stuff with God, things that most people are like, are you serious? Like, yes, I'm so serious. Like, we have to get this in the home. We have to get this in the families because the parent is the first pastor. So that's what that book is. And then I almost had a nervous breakdown, and so I decided to write a book called Curing Worry God's Way. I studied worry for a year, like just working on it because I, I, went, I just got in this really bad place with stuff, and, and I was like, man, now I can understand having a nervous breakdown when I was on drugs, but I'm totally sober, and I'm not doing good, and I, I was like just not doing well with some stuff. And I don't know about you, but right now there's a lot of people not doing well. You know, actually in the Bible, this is not my message. I have so many things to talk about. I haven't got to travel and preach for a really long time, so I have like 20 things to to give you. But, But you know, when the Bible says in 1 Peter, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him because he cares for you. Right? You know? That means humble yourselves is casting your cares on him. That means worry is a sign of pride. Worry is a sign that we're trying to play God. It's a good word for me. Every time I get worried, I'm like, hold on, humble myself. Don't stay in pride. Don't stay trying to do this on my own. I don't have to do this on my own. I have a dad. Who wants to help me? Who loves to help me? Why would I try to figure this out on my own? Hello. We could go home after that. Let <clears throat> me have these cards out here. We made these prayer cards. They're just little prayers to pray every day. So you can like take one, pray it. Um, this one is Nehemiah 8.10. I am strong today because I have the joy of the Lord. So these are kids' cards. They come in with this little wooden block and you stand them up on your kid's nightstand, and every day you grab one, says, child of God. Every day you grab one, pray it. Your kids can pray it. Um, we have some for grandparents, for grandparents to pray over their grandchildren and their families, and we have some for parents. So there's three of those out there. I didn't bring very many because I haven't made wood blocks lately, so I, I only brought what I had wood blocks for. If you want to get more, you can. My website is just sethdahl.com, just my name. And I want to tell you about a Facebook group I have. You guys have the picture of the Facebook group too? Um, I do a, a Facebook group called Spirit-Led Parenting with Seth Dahl, and it's fun. It's awesome. We have the best conversations in that group, and the community is amazing. So that's totally free. You can get on there if you're on Facebook, and we can hang out and have fun. All right. All that done. Sorry. That was a lot. <clears throat> One of the most famous verses when it comes to family and children is Proverbs 22.6. So every children's ministry I've seen around the world, this is the verse they build their entire children's ministry on. This is what most families, most Christian families have up on some little sign in the bathroom or somewhere. But it's this verse right here. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart, not depart from it. Now, here's the interesting thing, is that most of us have misinterpreted this verse all our lives. We think this verse says, train up our children in all the ways they shouldn't go. And we get caught in this thing of like, don't do that, stop doing that, quit doing, knock it off. I told you never talk like that again. If you ever do that again, you're in trouble. What do we do? We fall into this trap of don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And we think it connects to this verse. Train up a child in all the ways they shouldn't go. That's what Christians have interpreted this verse to say for a way too long time. Hello, are you here? Are you awake? So we get caught in this thing. Unfortunately, if we interpret this verse to say, train up our children in all the ways they shouldn't go, there is no promise on the bottom. The verse does not continue 
because it's not a verse. Now, Samson, you know, when his parents encountered God, the angel comes and encounters his mom and says, hey, don't eat fruit from the vine, don't, don't drink wine, and don't cut that boy's hair. Okay, so there were some things like, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, right? Why, though? Why? Because of who he was called to be. The only reason Samson's mom said, no, son, you can't have grapes when we go to the market. I'm sorry, son. All the other kids are eating grapes. I know, you can't have grapes. Mom, it's so hot and humid in Israel, in the Middle East, in the summer. Can I please just get a haircut? No, son, you cannot get a haircut. Like, so she had to tell him no. I'm not saying we don't tell our kids no. I'm not saying we don't correct our kids. Of course not. But why do we do that? Why did Samson's mom say you can't eat grapes? Because you have a calling on your life. You're here for a reason. I'm protecting what God has put on you. And if I let you cut your hair, I ruin what God is trying to do. Are you guys here? Hello. As parents, like I know some of you aren't parents, and some of you are, and some of you will be, but I'm going to try to make this work for all of us. You know, if this is your life, it's like, look, your job as a Christian is not to live in, to re in reaction of all the things you're not supposed to do. It's to respond to God's call on your life. It's to find out what has God said about me. And then I do that. I don't live my whole life going, I can't do this, I shouldn't do that, I should stay away from them, I shouldn't talk to them, I shouldn't go there, I shouldn't do that. No, we're not supposed to live in reaction to what the enemy is trying to get us to do or what the enemy is doing to everyone else. Our job is not to live in reaction to the enemy. Our job is to follow Jesus. And the only way to follow Jesus is to know what he actually says. God, what are you saying for me? Oh, sorry, the verse is gone. I have the verse here. You don't have the verse there. What are you saying, God? What's my call? Am I not supposed to cut my hair? Okay, I won't cut my hair. Why? Because I'm here to destroy the Philistines. Because I'm here to rescue the country. Because I'm here to save people. I'm here to help people. So I don't do those things because I know what I'm here to do. Most Christians lose sight of what they're here to do, and then they fall into reaction of all the things they're supposed to, not supposed to do. And most parents, don't they, they lose sight of what their kids are here for. Hello. The story of Samson is one of my favorites. It's like, dude, so simple. Just tell your kid, you can't do three things. But the rest of the time, you are supposed to actually tell him what he's here for. Every time, like, no, son, you can't, no, you cannot get your hair cut. Do not sneak out and go to the barber, son. <laughs> or the Philistines will kill you. You're here to kill them. You're here to destroy the enemy, not the enemy to destroy you. When I tell you no, I'm protecting God's yes on your life. My little son... Arrow, the four-year-old, he's about to hit five. This guy is so precious. When he was born, he was brand new. Like, we, we've, we've, <laughs> what? Oh, yeah, he was brand new. He's this little baby. I was like, what happened? I don't know what's going on. We have this little baby, and my dad calls me, and he says, out of nowhere, he goes, you know, I just found out there's this language called Arrow-Ease. So his name is spelled A-E-R-O. It's not arrows like A-R-R-O-W. It's A-E-R-O. It's Greek for of the sky. That's, that's what his name means. So my dad calls me. He goes, you know there's a language called Arrow-Ease. A-E-R-O-Ease. Like Chinese, whatever. Arrow-Ease. And he said, every single air traffic control on earth uses one language. So that if you fly from America to China and, the, and the, the pilots are English, they can understand what you're saying. But if you fly to China to America and the pilots are Chinese, they, can un they understand what you're saying. 
Because they all speak one language. It's one language for the entire planet. It's one language that no matter what culture you're in, no matter where you're from, no matter where you came from, in order to get you to your destination and make sure you land safe, there is one language that is spoken that every pilot can understand that makes sure every person that they possibly can land safely and arrive safely. Are you with me? So I'm, I'm listening to my dad. He's like, there's this language. And I love to fly. I love to travel. I get to go all around the world. It's so fun for me. But I was like, wow, that's so kind of rad. That, that AeroEase, I didn't know that. I didn't know that if I left one country and landed in another, they're all talking the same thing. You know what I mean? Like Germany speaks it. Uh, all of Europe, all of Asia, all of Russia, they all speak Aroese. So I'm out weed whacking one morning, one afternoon. I was had my weed whacker, and I'm whacking, and the Lord comes. He always does this to me. He comes in the most random times. And he comes to me, and he starts talking to me about arrow. And he's like, and this language thing. And I know, he just, I just know in my heart, like, my kid is going to speak to all different cultures, my kid is going to stand on stages. My kid is going to talk. My kid has a voice. God sent this child here with a voice to communicate to every culture and help people get to their destination safely. Help them land. Help them arrive. Help them into their calling, into their destiny. My son, and I'm like weed whacking like, Lord, what are you doing? Like, can you just weed? Please. And then the next week I was weed whacking and he did it again. I'm like... Maybe I should just weed whack more. The Lord, like, visits me while I'm weed whacking. I'm like, I should, that's, maybe I need to weed whack more, huh, Lauren? Okay. Like, and I would go in the house. I'm like, man, I'm, like, in tears. Lauren, God just talked to me about Arrow. A few weeks later, we, not a few weeks, a few years later, we're noticing, like, Arrow doesn't talk. He doesn't speak. And, he, and when he tries, it's not that good. So we got him. Like, we, I don't know, we took him to a speech therapist. And this speech therapist says, he has this neurological problem called apraxia. And whatever you do, don't Google it. I'm like, okay. She's like, we can help. But basically, it sounds right in his head, but the nerves don't connect properly to his mouth. And so he can't, it sounds right here, it doesn't come out right. Does that make sense? I don't know. And so we didn't Google it because I already knew who I should listen to anyway. I knew what God had sent him for. So it didn't matter what came against that. I knew what God had said about him. Your son's going to have trouble talking. Your son has this neurological problem. Your son's nerves don't connect from his brain to his mouth. He's going to have trouble speaking. Da, 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 da. I'm like, well, that's not the truth. That might be the facts right now, but that's not the truth. I already know the truth. I already know what God said. I already know how I'm supposed to train him. I already know how I'm supposed to raise him. I already know how I'm supposed to treat him. I already know what I'm supposed to believe about him. And so I, I was like, well, let's not Google it. And then somebody in my family was like, what's that thing called again? I want to look it up. I'm like, no. No, I won't let you Google what the doctor told me not to Google because I don't want you to read about it and partner with fear. And then now you start operating in fear around our child instead of in faith. Man, I'm telling you, this right here could solve a lot of people's issues. <clears throat> Sometimes Google simply gets you to disengage from what God has actually said and partner with fear. Hello, man. That felt good. Hey, Seth. Hey, Seth. You should Google things less. You should stop researching on the internet so much. I mean, you should talk to me more. Okay, yes. So I just knew. I'm like, wait a second. I already know how we're supposed to train him, so I don't have to react to this. Of course, we got him speech therapy. Of course, we got him a specialist that works in apraxia. But here's what's so cool. We just kept it in our hearts. Like, this kid's going to speak. He might not speak right now. I don't care. You know, Benny Hinn couldn't speak for a long time, had stuttering problems. You know, Sean Bowles couldn't speak, had stuttering problems. You know, some of the biggest preachers you've ever heard of in your whole entire life couldn't speak when they were kids. You know that? You, probably, you might not even know that. A lot of big-time preachers who've changed the planet, 
used to have speech problems when they were kids. So I'm like, this is just fine. Like, he's in a good category. He's in a good group. Like, this is all good. <laughs> I'm training him up in the way he should go, and I'm not re- reacting to all the other stuff that tries to come against it. So, so I was in San Antonio at a church, and I hear this story. This, this, the pastor, he's my friend. He's like, yeah, we had this girl. She was on her dad's lap, and the dad was telling me, like, she's never formed a complete sentence. She can't even string two words together. She's got this speech thing that she can't really do. And so we just decided to pray for her. So they pray for her. There's all these kids running around. They pray for her. And the little girl jumps off the dad's lap, gets down, and says, Dad, I want to go play with my friends now, and runs off and plays. And the dad is like, like... His daughter just spoke a fir- her first sentence ever, like five seconds after they prayed. And I'm listening to the story, and I'm going, oh, I know what to do with this. That's my story now. When I hear the testimony of what God has done for someone else, as long as I know what to do with it, it can become my story. You know, that's like kind of the whole point of the Bible, <laughs> is to read what God has done for other people so you can discover what he wants to do with you? Wow, if you did that with them, do it with me. So like, I know what to do with this story. I said, and in my heart, outside, on the outside, I was like, come on, that's amazing. Wow, that girl strung a complete sentence together. In my heart, I go, that's mine. I'm taking that. That's for Arrow. That's for my boy. The craziest thing happens. That was Sunday. I'm in San Antonio. That's Sunday. Monday, Arrow started a new speech therapist. He goes to speech therapy. Lauren comes home from speech therapy with Arrow, and she goes, you know, this doctor went through all of his aproxia tests, the test to see where he's at with his, with his pronunciation and where he's at with his words, and she went through all his stuff, and she said, you know what? Arrow, he needs to work on some of his pronunciation. Like right now, he's, he's learning stop. Like he has to get the S and the, the combo, right? So he's practicing, so he does stop, s- slug, s- whatever. He can, binds all these letters together. But she, she goes through his whole thing, and she tells Lauren, Monday, she says, he has zero signs of aproxia. He's got he's to learn to say things properly, but the signs where his brain is not connecting to his mouth isn't there anymore. Whatever that neurological thing is, it's gone. I know. And I'm like, I'm like, Lauren, I just barely got home from San Antonio. I'm like, Lauren, I don't even know if I was home. We were on the phone, I think. I'm like, Lauren, literally yesterday I heard this story about another kid with the speech problem, and I just took it in my heart. And now it's happening in Arrow, in his head. You should meet this guy. He's, he's amazing. He's a good boy. But I knew what God had said about my kid. I knew what God had said. So I don't care. You know, we're driving to speech therapy. We'd be driving to speech therapy like, boy, guess what? You're going to speak to so many people. You're going to speak to so many cultures. You're going you're gonna to talk to so many people. Why? I, I'm treating him according to what he's here to do, not according to all the other stuff. We got to know what God says about our kids. We got to know what God says about us. So I want to I want to help you with something. I, if you're not a if you're a parent, this is really going to help you. If you're not a parent, this is going to help you. <laughs> like, if we're going to know what God says about whether it's our kids, whether it's us, whether it's our family, whether it's our friends, whether it's our church, whether it's whoever, like if we're going to know what God says, we got to know how to hear Him. We got to know how he talks. We got to know how he speaks to us. And so I just did this. I had this time in the car with the kids. We were driving to school. It takes about a half an hour to get from our house to school. And um, I said, hey, I just felt like the Lord was like, Let's, why don't you guys just give words, prophetic words over each other? Now, I do have to say this. Right now, in the context, depending on where you grew up, the denomination or what church you've been involved in before, a lot of times when we hear the word prophecy, we think end times, end of the world, what's going to happen, rapture, tribulation. Like, we think that's where we automatically go. We think prophecy means end time, biblical prophecy. Sure, okay. 
You know, every person in the history of the planet that ever prophesied anything about the end times was completely wrong. So you might as well not even try. And right now in society, there's a lot of people trying. There's a lot of people looking around going, I think I know what's happening, what's coming. Okay, maybe you do, but probably not. We're not talking about that prophecy. We're talking about the prophecy like with Samson's mom. We're talking about the prophecy like with Mary. Hey, you're going to have a baby. Here's what his name is. Here's what he's going to do. Here's who, what I, why I sent him. Like John the Baptist's mom, Elizabeth. Like, hey, here's who your son is. Are you with me? We're talking about like the prophetic where you actually know why God put you on the earth. We're not talking about prophecy like what's going to happen. You know, you know what I mean. You're good. You're, you're in a good house that understands what I'm saying. Not every church understands that. Um, but we got to know, I, I felt like the Lord said, prophesy over each other. Have, like you guys and the kids just prophesy over each other. I'm like, all right, so let's ask God to talk to us for other people and find out what he's saying. Why? Because when we know what he's saying about the other people in our family, then we can treat them that way. Then we see them that way. This is a beautiful thing for families to do. Because think about it, a lot of times, it's similar to the Proverbs 22, 6, where it's like, a lot of times we get stuck in this thing of like, oh, you're misbehaving, you're doing these things that are not good, that I don't like, and it's like, pretty soon you start seeing them differently than what God, than how God sees them, especially with parents. And we don't want to see differently than what God sees. We don't want to treat them differently than what God, how God treats them. We want to be able to know what he's saying. And so it's really good for siblings too. Because when a sibling is asking God to talk to them for their other sibling. And they're like, here's what I got. Here's, here's what it means. And we're talking about what God has said about you. It changes the way siblings talk to, about each other to each other. And it, it little by little affects the way they see each other. Are you with me? Like this is, the prophetic is actually a really important part for families. So if you have young kids, this is super going to help you. I actually had these, I wrote down two things. I filmed a little video in the Facebook group about it. But this one mom, she said, I love this idea and had been meaning to try this with my 11-year-old and 8-year-old. In the past, I've said, what is Jesus saying to you? So I'm, I'm going to tell you, like, first rule of teaching your kids to hear God or hearing God is not to ask the question, what did God just say? Like, listen, rule number one in learning to hear God, do not ask yourself or your kids, what did you just hear God say? I'll tell you why in a minute. She said, in the past, I've said, what is Jesus saying to you? And I've seen the pressure they experience. So I've been wanting to approach it differently. All that to say, this morning we had such a fun time prophesying over each other um, based on the images Jesus gave them for each other. Out of nowhere, they both said, Mom, we have one for you too. And they gave her a word. Thank you for passing on such a fun way to help lead them in the spirit. Man, that's, I love these kind of stories. Then another mom, she said, we did this last night, and at bedtime, our first daughter, at, wait, <clears throat> we did this last night at bedtime, and at first, our daughter said, ah, oh, I never get anything. I hate this. Okay, listen. So you have a little kid, and the mom is like, let's ask God to talk to us about each other. Let's listen to what God is saying. And the daughter goes, ah, oh, I never get anything. I hate this. I'm telling you, that's not a good place for a Christian child to be. I hate trying to listen to God because I never hear anything. That's not a good spot to be in. You still here? I still got 12 minutes, so you shouldn't be falling asleep yet. Oh, I never get anything. I hate this. I guess it was a reaction left over from years ago. But I told her we were going to do it differently this time. And by the end, she was loving it and didn't want to stop. It was such fun for both kids. Thanks for such practical and easy guidance. So, I already told you, rule number one. When you're, when you're trying to hear God, what God says about you, what God says for someone else, what God says about your kids, what, if you're trying to teach your kids to hear God's voice and, and get a prophetic word or find out uh, what God's saying, you do not say, what did God say? Why? Because when I ask that question, I automatically, especially here in America, I automatically uh, create in my children a mindset that God speaks English first. And he doesn't. 
English is not his first language. Now, he can speak English, obviously. He can speak every language in the earth. But in the Bible, the most commonly used language he uses is visions, pictures, dreams. You know what I'm saying? Like, Daniel's like, I had a vision, and then I kept looking, and then I kept looking, and then I kept looking. And all he's doing is writing down what he saw. Are you with me? So, so when we say, what did God say? In the mind of a child, and in most Americans, we think God's going to speak in English. And if I don't have anything show up in English, God's not talking. That's why kids are like, oh, I hate this. I never get anything. Why? Because they're expecting God to speak in English. And because you said, you asked the question, what did God just say? Now they're expecting him to speak out loud. So if God doesn't speak out loud in English, now your child is super discouraged. God doesn't talk to me. I never get anything. I hate this. Why? All because we asked a poor question. We asked a question that created in them a mindset that actually prevents them from hearing all the other ways God could speak to them. Are you here? Does this make sense? So rule number one, don't, don't say, hey, let's ask God to talk to them. What did God say? Because what if he didn't say anything? What if he showed them something? So the better question is, hey, what's the first thing that popped in your head? I want to show you this verse. There's a lot of times we as Christians, we think, you know, sometimes we ask God questions and we expect him to wait like six months before he answers. I don't know if you do that here in Iowa, but there's a lot of Christians that are like, I'm waiting for God to talk to me. I asked him for something. I'm seeking him on something. And it's been six months. I'm still seeking him and he hasn't answered me. I don't know if you... This is quite common in a lot of places. Do you know how rude it would be if I went up to someone and was like, Hey, how are you? And you just ignore me for six months? What's your name? How old are you? Where are you from? And, and you, you're like trying to find out information about this person and get to know this person and find out like what, what their dreams are and, what they're, what, and, and they just don't talk for six months. You'd be like, Okay, probably not going to talk to you anymore. I'll go meet someone else. Thanks. See you later. Right? Like, if, if you did that, you would go, that person is so rude. And then we put it on God. Like, if we ask him to talk, he's going to wait six months. Or longer. Come on, I've been, I met Christians that it's like 40 years. They're still waiting for God to answer them about something. Like, Can I just tell you? Let me, I want to read you this verse. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It's Isaiah 65, 24. It is not in the verses up there. And I already threw two verses out that were in there. Um, this is Isaiah 65, 24. I have it in several translations. It says, before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. Here's another translation. I will answer them before they even call to me. While they are still talking about their needs, I will go ahead and answer their prayers. That's new living. While they are still talking about, it's like, oh, Lord, I really need, and it's like, whoa. Oh, Lord, would you please tell me, whoa. Like, he answers so fast, you weren't even done with your question before he answered you. And that's why a lot of people don't realize God's talking to them, because it happened while they were still praying. And then it's 40 years later, and like, well, I'm still waiting on the Lord to talk to me. And he's going, I'm still waiting on you to pay attention to what I showed you in the way you were still asking. Hello, hello, hello. Here's another one. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. Here's another one. This is the Berean Study Bible. Even before they call, I will answer. So it's, you're like, hey, I want to go talk to God. I'm going to go introduce myself to God. I'm going to go find out something about God. And you're like going there to go, hey, Lord. And he's like, hey, good to meet you. Let me talk to you about what I wanted to talk to you about. Let me tell you, I've been all, all he's waiting for is you to just begin to turn. And he'll drop answers and he'll give you input. So the thing you want to ask, whether it's, whether it's you asking God a question about why you're here, come on. While everybody else is concerned about prophecy, end times prophecy, what's going to happen, it would be wise if we found out what's our part in it. You know, so everyone's like, God, what's going to happen with the vaccine? What's going to happen with the 
technology, God, what's going to happen with the vaccine passport and child, like, God, what's going to happen with being able to buy and sell? And we get all of a sudden like, no, wait, what am I supposed to do? What am I here for? Why'd you put me here for this time? Why'd you put me on earth right now during all this? What am I supposed to do? Like, forget what's going to happen. Figure out what you're here for. And when you do that and you ask God to tell you, you want to go, what's the first thing that popped in my mind? Because as soon as I said, hey, Lord, I'd really like to know why I'm, he probably drops the idea in you so fast. If you think he's going to answer you later, you already missed it. If you think he's going to speak in English, you already missed it. If you think he's going to speak out loud, you already missed it. And as parents, if we're going to teach our kids to live a life where they hear God for themselves and for others, this is an important thing. What's the first thing that popped in your head? What's the first idea that showed up in your mind? Five minutes. I'm going to hurry and pray for a couple people and then... We'll go. So we did this in the car. My son, Arrow, the little guy, you know, you already know all about Arrow. <clears throat> all right, so let me give you this quick. Let's ask, here's, here's a good question to ask kids and yourself. God, give me a quick picture about this person. Or God, give me a quick picture about myself. God, show me a picture. Why? Because that's the most common language he used. It can feel like an idea. It can feel like a thought. It can feel like a picture. God, give me a quick picture. Question number one. Then pay attention. What's the first idea that popped in your head? And then find out what you know about that thing. So if, like with Arrow, one of the kids saw an apple. So like, Arrow, God showed me an apple for you. The first thing that popped in my head when I asked God to show me a quick picture about you was an apple. And as soon as my daughter said apple, I hear an apple a day keeps the doctor away. That's right. So now, now you got the daughter, our daughter, Brooklyn, giving a picture to Arrow. I'm thinking an apple a day keeps the doctor away. And so I'm, now I'm going, well, what else do I know about apples? Well, if an apple a day keeps the doctor away, then apples actually help us get healthy. Right? So now for Arrow, he's got this word, apple. An apple a day keeps the doctor away. And then I thought about the verse Proverbs 18.21. So with kids, it's really good. You just explain all this to them. Hey, Brooklyn, as soon as you said apple, I thought this, this phrase, an apple a day keeps the doctor away. And here's this verse, Proverbs 18.21. Look, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat it. So here was so powerful. We're driving in the car. I'm like, Arrow, Arrow. The words that come out of your mouth are like fruit that heals. It keeps the doctor away. Arrow, you have words that come out of your mouth that bring healing like an apple. And it started with my daughter, an image, an idea pops in her head. Apple, apple a day keeps the doctor away. Your tongue will produce fruit that you get to eat and you get to feed other people with the words coming out of your mouth. Sound like arrow? Sounds like arrow. He's going to speak to all different cultures. He's going to talk to all different cultures. He's going to talk to people from all around the planet. And now he's going to talk with words that bring healing and restoration. Are you with me? It goes perfectly along with what God already told me about him. Right? And now I don't have to raise Arrow going, Arrow, you shouldn't talk like that. Arrow, don't use those kind of words. Of course, sometimes I need to correct him and go, hey, that's not how we talk to each other. But in deep inside, I'm going, Arrow, your words have power. Arrow, your words have healing. Arrow, your words bring life. Arrow, your words are going to help people land and walk into their destiny and get into their destination and arrive safely. Arrow, you have words. The God sent you here to use your words to help. What's that? I'm training him up in the ways he should go. Why? So when he's old, he'll use his words that way. All right, 11.58, let's land our plane real fast. Perfect, look at that timing. We're gonna, like if there's, let's do this first. If there's any of you, you have a kid or a grandchild that has a speech problem, I'd like you to stand up real quick just where you're at. 
they can't talk right, something's wrong, it could be a proxy, it could just be speech delay, it could just be anything. Like, I literally was in a church, and I said, that's fine, I'm taking it. And uh, the next day, something happened, and Arrow, obviously, he's still learning. But the thing in his nerves that weren't working was fixed. Just hold your hands out. We're going to pray simple. We're going to pray quick. Lord, thank you for these, the children represented here that haven't been able to speak. And I thank you that every child here was born to speak was born to share your words, was born to speak words of life. And right now, God, over every single person standing here, representing a kid, representing a child, we just release over them that these children will speak clear, these children will speak loud, there will be authority on their voice, there will be power on their voice, there will be life on their voice, that these children will learn to speak properly, clearly, and you would supernaturally, miraculously speed it up, God, just like you did with Arrow. Lord, I release the testimony for Arrow that I took from that other kid, I give it to all of them. That every child in here that can't speak will speak from now on. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I think we're supposed to do this. If you have kids, I'm just going to take a few more minutes, like just a couple. and then. But if you have kids, you probably want to go get them. But if I'm fast, maybe not. Okay. Driving up here, so... I'm already telling you, like, how God talks. Like, he talks in pictures. He talks in images. He talks in ideas. Like, he doesn't just talk in, in language that we know. So we're driving up here, and I keep seeing billboards with frogs on them. Like, this restaurant called Something Frog, Something Frog, something whatever. Like, I saw three billboards coming up here. And then we get to my mom's house. And my mom's house at the front porch, you open the door, and there's a frog. Maybe it's a toad, but it looked like a frog. I'm like, man, there are frogs everywhere. So we're driving up, and I'd seen the third billboard that was like, that had a frog on it. I'm like, I think the Lord might be trying to tell me something about frogs. So I said, Lauren, will you look up frogs and see what they mean? So I have this whole website full of information about frogs, but I, I pulled some things out. So this is, this is the beauty of God's language, of how God talks. From a frog, one of, the, one, of the, one of the symbols of frogs is fertility and motherhood. Now, so fertility, we're going to pray for anyone that can't have babies. We're going to pray for, like I've seen so many women that are like, I can't have babies, and we pray for them, and now they have beautiful, wonderful children. I've seen it all over the planet. So we're going to pray for that. How would you know God wants to bring fertility into the church? Oh, I saw frogs. Are you with me? Like, if I'm like, Lord, what are you saying? What are you trying to tell me? Like, I didn't hear him go, fertility. Like, I heard him, sh I saw frogs on the billboard. I'm like, what's frogs mean? I should look up frogs. What's well, a symbol for fertility and abundance? It's like, be fruitful and multiply. How'd you get that? A frog. <laughs> well, you know, it's like, think about how kids think. And, and God said, you know, if you want to enter the kingdom, you have to repent and become like little children. And so part of our job is not to try to make our kids become adults, but to try to make ourselves become like them. And so kids can go, frogs, what do you know about frogs? I don't know, they hop. And we can go, what do you know about frogs? Oh, it's a sign of fertility. It's learning to hear God like a kid. Here's another thing. It means mothering. I don't know if you know this, but one of the biggest child porn sites ever was called motherless.com. And as soon as I heard that, like I've studied kids forever. Like I've worked with children for literally 20 years of my life. Like everything I've done for 20 years has to do with kids and family. And one of the largest child porn sites that's taken down, busted, they arrest, it's all good. It's stopped. Hallelujah. Was, it was called motherless.com. I don't know if you know this, but this move is happening in the earth faster and faster now. Like God is stopping this. God is changing this. God is breaking this off society of child porn. And it's, it's raising its ugly head more ugly than ever before, but the sword is sharper and longer and bigger than ever before. And this website, they told me, they said, you know, motherless.com got taken down. And as soon as I heard that, I went, oh my gosh, that's how powerful mothers are. That's how important mothers are. We know most of society's problems are because of a lack of fathers in the home. But I'm telling you what, it, the child porn industry is loud and clear trying to say, when mothers aren't present, this is what happens. We need moms. <laughs> we need mothers. We need mother bears. You mess with the cubs, you get the claw. Right? And the teeth. We need grizzly moms. 
And I felt like, now listen, this is so weird to me, but this is how God talks. This is the beauty of learning to pay attention to how God talks in pictures. You know, the sign for frogs is one of the words, the main words they use for the frog is motherhood. And as soon as I read that this morning, I read, oh, motherhood, fertility and motherhood. I'm like, oh my gosh, God wants to, God, there's someone probably here that has on their heart, or probably several of you that have in your heart to work with kids that have been uh, in child porn or in sex trafficking, or you have, a, you have a call from God to stop sex trafficking. And I'm like, how did you get that? A frog. <laughs> but I know what God wants to do, huh? So if you're in here, quick, if you're in here and that's you, I want you to hurry up, stand up, and come to the front. If you're like, I know I'm supposed to stop this. I know I'm supposed to change this. Or, or I've been praying for this, for God to stop child sex trafficking, child porn. If it's you, come on. Don't stand in your seat. Come on up. I know there's more than one of you. I can see it. Yeah, just stand here for a minute. We're going to pray. Lauren, would you come up and pray for a second? Just put your hands on these guys. Even if it's pedophilia, even if you want to stop pedophilia, if that's you and you have a heart for this, please come to the front. We're just going to pray over you. Lauren's going to lay hands on you from behind. I'm just going to pray quickly. I'm just going to put my hands on you. Just hold your hands out. I'm going to put my hands in your hands. Lord, thank you for these people that have a heart to protect kids, have a heart to stop what's happening in the world. Thank you for their mama bear. These mama bears, this papa bear that's up here, these papa bears, these gentlemen that have come up too, God, thank you for these people that want to see this stopped in earth, want to see this stopped in, in the planet. God, we give them grace right now, grace to see it. Give them grace to, to see this happen. God, we pray for the people that work with kids who've been sex trafficked or abused, that there would be miraculous healing power that flows in their lives into these kids that the kids would be mentally restored. You'd give them tools and skills beyond psychology, God. You'd give them skills and tools and thoughts far beyond what psychology can do. Yes, Lord, we, we just release them to find the right connections, the right relationships, the right, the right people to accidentally bump into that can help them get get into this place where they see they see kids set free they see kids rescued even if it's just in prayer God I pray for greater authority on their voice the enemy shouldn't have messed with you because you got the heart of a bear you have the hearts of, of a bear you don't mess with the cubs you don't mess with the cubs God, let these, let these people up here have such a fear on them that the enemy runs from them. That just like a, just like a human would run from a grizzly bear, that the devil would run from these people, God. That the earth would shake when they walk. That when they start walking towards some situation that needs to change, that the earth would tremble like a bear. Like when a bear walks through the woods, that everyone would know there's a new authority here. Thank you, Father, for authority on their lives to stop this in the earth. In Iowa, and in America, and all over. God, I pray for relationship connections, that you would connect them with the right people to get them in place to actually do something about this. I also feel like the Lord said... Like a long time ago, he told me, he said, you don't have to have great influence on social media to have great influence in heaven. And some of you just need to start speaking to this thing more. We sang that song this morning, when, when I shout, the walls come down. Some of you need to get in prayer and shout at this thing. You need to shout at this thing. You need to break the walls down. Some of you need to understand there's more authority in your prayers. You may not have any influence online or any influence in a ministry right now, but what you have in heaven is greater than any of it. That You need to use the authority in heaven to break this thing. let's pray quick if you can't have kids if you're a lady that can't have kids or a husband that whatever's going on and you guys can't have kids please stand up quick 
We're going to pray fast and we have to go get the kids. Is there anyone in here that hasn't been able to have kids, but you want them? You back there? Anybody else? Is there anybody up there? Here, will you just come? If you're the only one, come here real fast. Lauren, will you come pray with her too? Making Lauren work. My friend in Siberia, she couldn't have kids for like 12 years. She couldn't have kids. She said, Seth, will you pray? I said, of course. And I said, next time I see you, you're going to have a kid. I couldn't go there last year because of COVID, but she has a beautiful baby girl. God, let her have kids, just like you did with Hannah, just like you did with so many women in the Bible, God, that couldn't have kids. And now their kids became like powerful, powerful men of God. Like Samuel was birthed from a mom who couldn't have children. Samuel, the first prophet, was birthed from a woman who couldn't have children. We bless you. We bless your life, your womb, your body to have kids. Yay, God. Everything that needs to happen, just make it happen, God. Let her have kids. Let her have her dreams, her desires for babies. Yeah, in Jesus' name. And God, help us Help us all raise our kids, train our kids in the ways they should go. God, help us. We need help. We need help raising kids in the ways they should go. And Lord, we need help repenting and becoming like little children so we can live in the kingdom. God, just will you all just stand? We're going to pray one more fast prayer. Just hold out your hands for a second. Lord, help us be like kids. God, help us be like kids when it comes to hearing your voice. Help us be like kids when it comes to trusting you, when it comes to believing what you say. God, give us childlike faith again. Let us hear you like kids and let us trust you like kids. Make all of us like children. Help us all change. Help us all repent and become like little kids so we can enter and be great in the kingdom. And help us raise our kids and what you've said about them, not reaction to everything else. God, help us not live in reaction. Help us live in response to your voice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to help more people hear this message, you can get the word out by subscribing and sharing it on social media. If you'd like to support the ministries of Heartland Church, you can do so at heartlandchurchonline.com give.